COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Our goal is to protect the lives and livelihoods of Australians. We have breaking news on a corona scare. The panic buying, self-isolating on a statewide level. Stop it. It's Friday the 17th of April. Welcome to Coronavirus Watch. I'm Kate Ryan, joined by Ben O'Shea. And Ben, unfortunately, we've seen a coronavirus-related death in WA. Yeah, we hate seeing any one of these. We've been fortunate that compared to a lot of countries in the world, we've had so few deaths, but every single one hurts. And today it was a 42-year-old male from the Philippines who was a crew member from the Artania. We know that that cruise ship has uh, created a lot of cases for Western Australia, put a lot of people in hospital. Uh, Today, in total in Western Australia, there were six new coronavirus uh, diagnoses. Uh, Five were related to cruise ships, uh, three from the Costa Victoria, two from the Artania. Uh, And there was one uh, additional piece of information. There was a case yesterday that the uh, uh, Premier and Health Minister said was under investigation. It's turned out that that person contracted coronavirus in the UK. So uh, that is positive news in that it's not a, something that we don't know where it came from or it could be from uh, sort of in the community. So that's that's positive news. Uh, also positive news is that there are just six people in the ICU uh, wow. as we talk today. So that is a fantastic result. 34 people in hospital uh, and we hope that they all get better soon. And nationally, unfortunately, um, our death toll has risen, not just from WA. Yeah, with, with the death in Western Australia and one in Tasmania, the national death toll is now up to 65. It was a 74-year-old Tasmanian man who died this morning, uh, which is which is terrible. It's terrible news uh, in, uh, in terms of the number of cases that we've seen in the last 24 hours. Again, it's a positive result. Uh, it's under 50, 39 nationally, of which the bulk were in New South Wales, which brings the total for Australia to 6,497 confirmed cases. Yeah. And um, worldwide, even though, like we said yesterday, Australia is doing so well, worldwide we are just climbing those uh cases. Yeah, just as one country seems to uh, flatten the curve and get things starting to lock down, another country will see a huge spike in cases. So it's it's an ongoing battle. There's no doubt about that. Uh, in total now worldwide, the confirmed cases sit at 2,184,566. Uh, and we've seen uh, 146 1,897 deaths, so creeping towards that 150,000 deaths, which is really, really horrible. It is. And it just, it seemed like not that long ago we were talking about approaching the 1 million cases and then all of a sudden it doubled within what seemed like a week or just over. It's just incredible. Now back home and the big news today is that school is going back in WA. Yeah, it's amazing. And I know that there are a lot of parents out there who uh, maybe three weeks ago thought we're pulling our kids out of school, uh, we're going to homeschool, found out that the realities of homeschool weren't uh, really that amazing. And I'm sure they will be very pleased to hear the Premier and the Education Minister Sue Ellery today announced that uh, schools will be going back. Uh, April 27 is the Anzac Day uh, long weekend holiday. April 28, the teachers will go back as a pupil-free day to get things uh, ready to go. And then the students themselves will go back on April 29 for the start of Term 2. It's going to be big news, especially for the Year 11 and 12 students that we really have heard so much by the Premier about, you know, he really doesn't want Year 11 and 12s to miss out on a year, especially Year 12s, um, with ATAR results. But Mr McGowan 
today guaranteed Year 12 students would get a WA certificate and an ATAR rank for 2020. Yeah, the Premier today said that, that he appreciated that there were concerns out in the community and said that this decision to open schools didn't mean that parents had to send their kids to school, but he strongly encouraged Year 11 and 12 students to go along because it is so critical at that level uh, of their education. Uh, and yet he guaranteed that they'd get the certificate, they'd get an ATAR rank, uh, and kids that are working towards vocational careers, they wouldn't be uh, disadvantaged if their work placements were cancelled because of the coronavirus. Uh, and he thanked that West Aussies because they said over the last four weeks they've really put WA in a strong position to be able to reopen schools based on the health advice that's been provided to the government. Um, but it, he said again today that Term 2 is going to be a little bit different to what we're used to. Uh, and one of the big changes will be the amount of cleaning that happens in schools. Yeah. Uh, the government have, has found $43 million to embark on uh, probably the most... Um, the the most uh, advanced uh, cleaning program that we've ever seen in WA schools. It'll involve cleaning all of the high-touch surfaces, uh, doorknobs, um, uh, bathrooms will be cleaned multiple times during the day, uh, surfaces in classrooms like desktops and, and desks and things like that will be cleaned. Uh, there's going to be a huge focus on that. It's it's actually quite similar to uh, the guidelines that the CDC have published in America for cleaning schools. Wow. Uh, and um, there'll be the interesting thing about this is schools will have to confirm on a weekly basis that they have completed this cleaning. Uh, there'll be additional cleaners employed and uh, the existing cleaners might have their hours extended if they want. Um, and, and McGowan said that there'd be spot checking. So the, the governor will be sending people out to ensure that this cleaning is happening, to give parents peace of mind and to give everybody in the community peace of mind, really, that we're staying on top of this pandemic. Uh, and so that's going to be across WA's 800 schools, the metro area and the regional area. The investigators will be going out to make sure these surfaces are clean. I'd like to imagine that they're wearing like a white linen glove and they're just sort of uh, running along the surfaces. I, I don't know if that would reveal any uh, coronavirus, but it'll certainly uh, be very interesting to see how that, how that rolls out. He also said that... That, uh, some other changes would include uh, parents will no longer be allowed on the school grounds. They'll have to drop the kids at the gate and uh, say goodbye yeah. and pick them up at the gate. That one is an interesting one. Like, I think you have no issues with that when it comes to uh, the older kids. But if you've got a pre-primary yeah. pre-primary child or a kid in grade one, uh, depending on the layout of your school, I don't think it's necessarily a no-brainer that you can just leave them at the front gate and then, you know, they're going to make it without Trust any... Trust that they're yeah, going to go. <laughs> yeah, especially if they're just starting out their school career. Like, I don't think that is a no-brainer. But obviously, there'll be ways to manage it. Um, uh, there'll be changes to how canteens work. It'd be takeaway only. I'm, I'm pretty sure most take canteens in schools were takeaway yeah. only anyway. Uh, swimming pools, if the school has a swimming pool, they'll be closed. Assemblies will be cancelled. Excursions will be cancelled. Inter-school activities will not be allowed. Uh, and he said, also said that uh, individual schools uh, may come up with their own uh, initiatives and strategies and, and the education department and the state government would be fully supportive of those decisions. So whether or not that meant staggering playtime, so the entire student population wasn't taking recess or lunch at the same time. So we might see individual schools taking a slightly different approach to how they uh, deal with the uh, COVID-19 epidemic. But what we will see, though, is it is slightly different, but I'm sure, as so many parents were waiting to hear, schools will reopen on April 29. Yeah, it really does sound like it is literally just a return to the classroom. Everything else is kind of off limits. And, of course, private schools are, are to make their own call on that. 
Um, and it does come yesterday after opposition leader Lisa Harvey. She said that she wanted teachers to basically have the same equipment as medical staff, so face masks, gloves, perspex screens, uh, but that was really shot down today. Yeah, I th- thought it was uh, fascinating to hear the Education Minister Sue Ellery say that based on the health advice that she had, face masks uh, had uh, had no health benefit at all in this situation uh, and so there was no need to supply teachers with uh, with face masks and she also said uh, temperature checking uh, had no value. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it's very different to the approach that we've seen uh, elsewhere around the world uh, but she said that it was based on the health advice that they'd been given, so you have to take that at face value, I suppose. Uh, but I know that there are plenty of teachers out there who have some serious concerns, and especially teachers uh, who are uh, in a sort of the older uh, cohorts, of which there are plenty of teachers in that category, yeah, and and who have uh, underlying health issues. There are also plenty of kids who have underlying health issues, and so they will be uh, advised to listen to their doctors uh, on whether or not they should return to school. And uh, But both the Premier and the education minister promised that uh, no kid would be disadvantaged, uh, and that, that's an interesting statement because, it is. I, because yeah, because you, you're going to have some kids who are going to school, and you're going to have some kids who their parents will elect to keep at home and homeschool. They'll be supplied with all of the resources they'll need. That was made very clear today that they'll be supplied with, with whether it was uh, work packs, uh, like hard copy work packs, or online learning materials. And for the kids who uh, don't maybe have access to internet connectivity and uh, digital devices, stuff like that, uh, Sue Ellery said that uh, the state had about 150,000 uh, devices and. Uh, 5,000 internet dongles that have been supplied by Telstra to, uh, I guess, help those kids keep pace with the kids in the classroom. Uh, I feel a little bit for the teachers if they're having to, say, if they're managing a 60 to 70% of their normal class uh, population uh, in class and then they have another 25, 30% that they're managing uh, remotely uh, online or with work packs, I think that will present some challenges for teachers. Uh, And like everything we've seen so far during this uh, pandemic, whether it's at a a federal level or a state level, Decisions are made and then uh, the governments have to be open to tweaking them, adjusting them uh, as uh, more information becomes available. And that's a very key point to what we heard today. Uh, Both uh, Sue Ellery and Mark McGowan said that this was the current decision to reopen and the way things were going to be managed with cleaning and everything else. This was going to continue for the first three weeks of term two. Then they would take a step back reassess how it's going looking at the the COVID-19 numbers in WA and then Going forward to week four and beyond, they would make a decision whether or not to continue as they are or to tweak the guidelines uh, as needed. And I I think that's probably the best approach. That's all anybody can ask at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Now that we are an island within an island, basically, our borders are shut. One thing we have seen uh, is a reduction in drugs into WA because of the border controls, um, and that is seeing a lot less drugs on our streets. And um, it's interesting to see that Shalom House, which is a, um, a drug rehabilitation centre in Perth's Swan Valley, um, they've seen numbers really that they haven't seen in a long time. 
Yeah, well, they're near capacity out there. And its founder, Peter Lyndon James, says that because uh, people who maybe previously were uh, getting their getting their drugs wherever they get them are now not able to do that, and they're seizing this opportunity to maybe get clean for the first time. And so it's resulted in a lot of people coming to Shalom House seeking help, uh, seeking to be rehabilitated, and that's fantastic. Uh, he said their phones haven't stopped ringing, basically. Uh, and so if there's a silver lining to all of this uh, situation, if, if it helps a few people kick uh, some really nasty habits, then that's fantastic. That is. It, it really is fantastic to see that people are taking that initiative um, to, to get help as well, I, I guess. Um, moving nationally, and we have heard about this health crisis, I guess you could say, um, that's broken out in Tasmania. And, and Scott Morrison has accused a health worker of lying to officials. Yeah, well, this I have to say, ScoMo, who, who's done a pretty good job so far, uh, he reminded me a little bit of Donald Trump today, uh, <laughs> talking to a radio station over in the East Coast, uh, told this anecdote of uh, you know, a Tasmanian healthcare worker who had lied to uh, the contact tracers in the Tasmanian Health Department uh, and then was you know, partly responsible for a coronavirus outbreak in the region. And it was a bold bold claim uh, and one that uh, the uh, health department and the Premier of Tasmania have both refuted. They said their investigations are still going. They're not exactly sure how this outbreak happened. Uh, As far as they're aware, nobody has lied to the contact tracers and uh, they certainly haven't provided information of that nature to the Prime Minister. So there seems to be lots of misinformation coming uh, out of Tasmania and about Tasmania at the moment. (laughs) All we know for sure is that this outbreak is certainly concerning and it is a reminder to everybody else, all the other states, of what what can happen and the importance of being able to move quickly, to be nimble and if you need to lock down a small area to ensure that uh, the, the virus doesn't spread further, you know, this is how you do it. You call in the army, you, you impose really, really strict guidelines uh, and so yeah, so Tasmania has been a bit of a guinea pig, I think, uh, for how these small isolated outbreaks can unfold. Exactly um, and it is good to see that they did get on top of it so quickly from a relatively very quick outbreak. Now, moving over to cruise ships yeah. and the, <laughs> and this, this endless um, trouble that Australia has seen and I guess the world has seen with cruise ships, but particularly the Ruby Princess, um, we've seen a total of 11 people who have died off of this cruise ship. So um, there has been an investigation launched by police from the homicide squad as well, no less. Yeah, this is this is fascinating to see this unfold. It'll happen over the next couple of months. Uh, the police have said that they may call as many as 5,000 witnesses, which is just wow. absolutely staggering as they get to the bottom of how this terrible situation uh, happened. Uh, the Ruby Princess is, is now considered the, the deadliest ship on the seas when it comes to coronavirus, uh, and it's certainly had a huge uh, impact on the number of cases we've seen here in Western Australia and also around the country. So this investigation is going to see exactly how this happened, who knew what, how it was allowed to continue uh, and who is to blame? That's the big question. Who is to blame? Now, during this investigation, a video has emerged from it and it shows staff of the Ruby Princess seeming to celebrate with passengers um, on the cruise ship. Now, what is important is that this allegedly occurred after coronavirus concerns emerged and we just have a small clip from Seven News. Doing the conga on the coronavirus cruise ship. 
staff from the Ruby Princess Galley, a suspected source of infections on the vessel, up close and celebrating with passengers on the final night of the voyage back to Sydney, after COVID concerns emerged on board and illness reported to authorities on land. Now, police believe, or it has been reported, that a crew member in the galley was the so-called patient zero on the Ruby Princess. So it is concerning to see this video. Um, it was shown on 7 News last night. Um, and there have been lawsuits from US passengers, there's been class actions, and now this homicide investigation. So it is, it is quite concerning and it just goes to show the Ruby Princess... Um, like you said, is the most deadly ship on the seas at the moment. Um, but speaking of restrictions, Prime Minister Scott Morrison said it might be a year before social distancing requirements are relaxed. Yeah, I think there's a pressure on both the PM and the state premiers to give people some clarity about how long this kind of really different uh, life that we're all leading at the moment will last. Uh, and the PM today said that it could be a year until they relax social distancing. He talked about, you know, there's no guarantee until a, vi a vaccine has been developed, but pointed out very correctly that uh, in the case of SARS and MERS, a couple of other recent pandemics, there still is no vaccine for those. So there's no guarantee that we'll ever see a vaccine for COVID-19. And so he's, he's uh, uh, reminding people that this, this social distancing, some of these things will be in place for a long time. He said we should get used to them, basically. Uh, and I think that's, that's pretty good advice uh, and uh, something that uh, we should all just try and make the best of, I think. Yeah, um, it does seem like it. we're in for the long haul, so may as well get used to it, make it our new normal. Um, and that includes being on our phone more, I guess, and uh, the government has encouraged us to download um, an app, but it sounded like a little bit of a guilt trip. Yeah, enc encouraged. Encouraged is one word you could use. Uh, it was almost blackmail, I think, is probably another word that would fit. Uh, yeah, they, they spoke today about this uh, this government tracking app that uh, it will really help uh, follow the spread of coronavirus around Australia, and it, it will help give um, the authorities a much better idea of the the situation that, that we're facing at the moment in this country in terms of this pandemic. And they've said today that uh, if less than 40% of people sign up to this new government app, then uh, the current restrictions will stay in place even <laughs> longer. So if that's not blackmail, I don't know what is. <laughs> It's definitely making me feel a little bit guilty, yeah. like I should download it. That's right. Well, the app is voluntary, though. It's voluntary, uh, voluntary. So you don't have to sign up. But if you don't, then prepare to be in lockdown for even longer than we already are. Yeah. Well, um, tech giants are also helping out um, with coronavirus information. Um, and Facebook is, is one of those um, sites that's helping. And they're showing notifications to users who have interacted with posts that contain what they've said harmful coronavirus misinformation. Yeah, they're, they're focused particularly on information that they think is likely to contribute to, in their words, imminent physical harm, uh, such okay. as false claims about cures or statements that uh, physical distancing is not effective. Uh, so it's going to focus on users who have liked, shared or commented or reacted with an emoji to such posts, um, even before they were deleted. Uh, and it'll direct people to a Mythbusters page maintained by the uh, the World Health Organization. So I'm, I'm pretty sure Trump is not following <laughs> them on Facebook at the moment. Uh, and so 
Facebook has come under a lot of criticism, and this predates the the COVID nineteen oh. pandemic. They've it's really since the uh, the previous um, US presidential election, they've come under fire for helping the spread of fake news. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so this is, I guess, an example of the the, the tech giant um, taking those those threats and uh, criticisms a bit more seriously. They're going to have a third party fact checker who's going to rate these claims as false uh, and then Facebook will add a notice to the offending post and try and reduce its spread around its network and alert anybody who has shared it uh, that it, the information is not legit. Uh, and so it'll be an interesting situation, I think, uh, it'll be almost like the honour system and also it could embarrass a few people. Like if, yeah. you, if you've shared something and then Facebook says, oh, by the way, that was totally bogus, uh, I wonder if it will start to change behaviour or make people think before they before they share. Yeah. Interestingly, I have seen if you search for coronavirus on Instagram, obviously affiliated with Facebook, um, it doesn't show you any of the photos related to coronavirus. It takes you to a page um, where you can click on a link to take you to the information before you see all of the photos. So that's, that's quite interesting. Um, but speaking of False information. We've heard yes. a lot of conspiracy theories of of how coronavirus started, and a lot of them have originated from social media. Like WhatsApp was blamed as a huge source of false information for a very long time. Um, there's been some mild, some downright out of this world claims, but it seems Trump is entertaining one of those theories. Yeah, there's an orange-haired bloke in the White House who is <laughs> responsible for the occasional bit of misinformation. And in this case, uh, he's given credence to the theory that uh, the coronavirus didn't didn't come from animals. It didn't make the leap from species to species in a you know the Wuhan wet market and instead has come from a Chinese laboratory that wasn't uh, maintaining very good protocols. And uh, a, uh, a uh, lab technician has then caught it and has gone to the wet market and that's how it spread. This theory has been doing the rounds on social media and uh, it has been widely discredited by scientific organisations because there's the, the DNA evidence uh, from the actual virus itself points to it being of natural natural origins, not a man-made virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's very similar in its DNA to the coronaviruses that you find in bats and that in, in pangolins as well, which were yeah. both sold as meat in this wet market. Uh, but Trump Trump mentioning it in this press conference today, he really actually what he did was uh, he really repeated stuff that had been reported on Fox News. And it was yeah. a Fox News reporter who <laughs> asked him uh, about this theory. And so then he has responded and kind of given it a little bit of weight. Uh, but as we know, like he loves Fox News, he watches Fox News. A lot of his talking points come from Fox News, yeah. and so as far as surprises go, this one's pretty low. Yeah, it seems like supporters of Trump are really keen on this investigation into the origin of COVID nineteen, possibly as a deflection away from his handling of the outbreak in his own country. Maybe something like that. Oh, totally. <laughs> there's a there's a big element of distraction and deflection happening here. The decision to defund the World Health Organization and to blame the World Health Organization, to blame China, uh, to blame this laboratory. Uh, Anything that takes the attention away from how the coronavirus pandemic has been handled in America, I think, is positive. Like his his approval rating is just uh, you know really down in the dumps at the moment. It's it's really really quite grim. The most recent uh, approval rating poll that came out, uh, and so. Uh, we'll see where this goes from here. Like their hands are full dealing with the consequences of the pandemic in America at the moment. So that's, I think, individual governors and health officials, that's where their focus is. Yeah, I feel like that's where the 
the focus should lie. And of course, China has denied the accusation. Um, and also, the Chinese economy has shrunk 6.8% in the first quarter from lockdowns. Yeah, it, this is this is amazing. We knew the economic situ- situation around the world was going to be dire, and people have said it's going to be the you know sort of the worst economic um, uh, decline since the Great Depression. But we're, what we're talking about here with with China, uh, this is the worst performance for the world's second largest largest economy since uh, Deng Xiaoping's uh, market reforms in 1979. So this is the the first uh, contraction of the Chinese economy in 28 years. Uh, and it, interestingly, talking about uh, information and and which government is saying what. The Chinese government and the state-owned media are actually pitching COVID-19 as an American virus that was started by the US military in Wuhan. So there you go. A bit of (laughs) tit-for-tat happening, I think. Yeah. Um, And moving away from America, in Kenya, Nairobi Governor Mike Sonko has promoted a more palatable drink um, of cognac, urging that Hennessy to be distributed alongside food be handed out to the needy. Yeah, he's he's of the belief that drinking Hennessy, a upmarket uh, cognac, uh, could help uh, cure COVID nineteen, and it's loosely based on a World Health Organization advice that uh, you know alcohol can be used to sanitize things uh, from the coronavirus. So he's thinking that if you drink expensive cognac, <laughs> that might sanitize you from the inside. But you know what? It's actually a lot better than the uh, the the weird cure that's being pushed by a politician in India who's act- who's literally going around with uh, jars of cow urine, uh, getting oh, people to drink it yuck. in the belief that that is a cure. Yeah, I, I, I'll take I, the Hennessy. Yeah, I'd take ten that times any day. Out of ten. Yeah, even if it wasn't a cure, just <laughs> just take it, just in case. <laughs> um, now, further away from well, the world really. <laughs> Our astronauts are back home, and they have an interesting new life to adjust to. Yeah, so three astronauts from the International Space Station will touch down in uh, Kazakhstan today, and and they've all been in space uh, for for a few hundred days, and they predate uh, the coronavirus pandemic. So they've watched it all unfold from this incredible vantage point high above <laughs> the Earth, uh, orbiting around and around and around. And so now they'll have to go back and get used to the uh, the social distancing and all of this stuff which for us it feels like it's been happening forever yeah. but uh, as for them it's totally new which is a bizarre situation and but we wish them all the best in their uh, uh, adapting back to life on a very different planet to what it was when they launched uh, a couple of hundred days ago definitely the international space station is the safest place to be at the moment yeah, that's right <laughs> at least those astronauts are used to isolation yeah. so i think they should get pretty get pretty used to the iso life quickly yeah um, but uh, back at home, if you don't want to be isolated, um, the Parks and Wildlife in the Kimberley have uh, pitched a really interesting idea. And, and it's family friendly, according to them. If they've, you've got kids with energy to burn, um, you want to do something good for the environment even, they've pitched um, going cane toad busting. Yeah, well, I actually fully recommend this as a pastime. I'm from Queensland, and so I spend a lot of Christmases as a kid in North Queensland at my uncle's house where cane toads are a massive, massive problem. And, yeah, so me and my brother uh, went out hunting cane toads on wow. a nightly nightly basis. Uh, we got 50 cents a cane toad. I'm pretty sure that the uh, Parks and Wildlife aren't uh, paying 50 cents a cane toad, <laughs> but you'll certainly help uh, animals like the quolls and other Indigenous species who uh, predate on the cane toads and then die because cane toads are poisonous. 
Uh, and so, yeah, I think this is a wonderful initiative. People are sitting around, nothing to do. Go out and catch a couple of cane toads. Yep. Well, the Parks and li- Wildlife want live toads. Um, and, you know, as we know, cane toads are a massive issue. And, and one of the, the, the ideas uh, what they do is that they make the cane toads into sausages. <laughs> and obviously they freeze the live toads because freezing is um, considered the, the, most the most humane. humane yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they make them into sausages. They take a lot of the, the venom out, so it's only a little bit poisonous. It yeah. will make animals only a little bit sick. Um, they won't like the taste. They won't like how they felt. So the idea of that is that they then won't go and eat the cane toads and die. Yeah, uh, that's good. And it puts them off eating the cane toads. I feel like they need to make it into pepperoni yeah. to put onto pizzas because I need something that will stop me from eating pizzas. That's my biggest problem yeah. at the moment. <laughs> um, now, while most of us are like like the people in the East Kimberley searching for something to do while we're stuck at home, another celebrity has jumped on the social media bandwagon raising money for a good cause, but this time he wants us to bring boring back. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds uh, is amazing. He's one of the one of the funniest guys going around. And yeah, so he wants life to be back to boring. The, all this pandemic stuff is a bit too exciting. So he's got a T-shirt uh, that says Conquer COVID-19 and he's pitching it on his Instagram account. Let's have a listen. Well, today we're uniting to bring boring back as quickly as possible, but not so quickly that it gets exciting. No. We're asking every Canadian to purchase this t-shirt. And as you can see, it's boring as f- It's a black shirt, white type, not even a, not even a serif font. It's like we put no thought into this whatsoever. Plus it comes in up to one color. This shirt is so unremarkable that it actually renders its wearer completely invisible. Uh, for instance, I'm, I'm quarantining with my mother-in-law and she's been looking for me for days. Why are we doing this? Well, uh, 100% of the proceeds of this horrific shirt are going to go to buying PPE to, to frontline personnel and our most vulnerable communities. Now, I know that's not an exciting prospect or point, but the faster we get those guys protected, the faster they get us back to boring. Now, I am definitely keen on getting back to boring if that's what Boring is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd happily be boring with Ryan Reynolds. That looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> it does look like it. Now, just before we go, um, a couple of Australian singers, their names are Vika and Linda Bull, they've made their own version of the Nutbush City Limits song. I love the Bull <laughs> sisters. They, they are absolutely talented. Uh, and oh. so, oh, we got to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold in How good was that? <laughs> That's incredible. It's a perfect song to listen to on a, a Friday afternoon as you're working your way through your ISO kit of alcohol, which we told you not to do yesterday, but it's Friday, so let your hair down yeah, a bit, people. doesn't really count. <laughs> now, that's Coronavirus Watch for this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back again on Monday. In the meantime, stay safe and have a great weekend. Bye for now. <laughs>